Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. Uh, Everton's season has got underway, and it's got off to a, a bit of a drab start, if we're if we're honest, with a nil-nil draw away to Crystal Palace. Uh, my name is Adam Jones, and I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Chris Beasley, and Gavin Buckland as we discuss that Palace game and maybe take a little bit of a look ahead over what's to come for Everton. So we'll start with you, Dave. Uh, nil-nil away to Crystal Palace. Good result. <laughs> no, not not really. I mean, okay, we didn't lose. It was a, it was a point at a place which can be a bit tricky to get results. But they had significant personnel missing, but so did we. And that that was the issue. I think that just reinforced entirely the problems that we've had in the transfer market this summer. Uh, the players that we've brought in to address the problems that we have, which is goal scoring and you know, creating chances at the top end, those players weren't available because they were acquired so late in the transfer window. So we didn't see Alex Iwobi at all. Uh, we only seen Moise Keane for the last like 10 or 15 minutes, barely touch the ball. Um, and I think Marco Silva probably missed a trick as well You know, in his desire to see one of the new faces bringing uh, Gabam in on. Um, he didn't really look, you know, so up to speed yet fitness-wise. And Tom Davis looked, you know, so a much better option when he came on for the last 10 minutes. So it was a bit frustrating. You know, chances were created early on. Sigurdsson, you normally you'd stick your mortgage on him putting a chance like that away. You know, maybe it came a bit too early in the game. It's a bit of a lame excuse, to be honest. So all in all, I was a little bit disappointed. I, I thought, you know, there was three points there for the taking. And looking at the fixture list that we've got at the start of the season, there's a lot of what you would call winnable games early doors, and you can't afford to be dropping a couple of points that are available to you. And yeah, I would say it's two points dropped rather mm. than one gained. Was frustration the feeling for you as well, Gav? Uh, from my uh, Harborside bar in Portugal, maybe not, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was quite pleasurable to be fair, you know. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I share Plano's uh, concerns that it, it reflected the sort of chaotic sort of pre-season in terms of trans, you know, people arriving late for uh, pre-season and you know getting people in late. It just reflected all that little bit of. Um, you know, preparation that wasn't wasn't right, not just for Evan, for other clubs, obviously. Um, my, my point, I think, I'd, I'd judge that um, results on Saturday if we beat Watford on at the weekend. If we get four points from two games, I would have taken out for the first two games of the season. If we don't get a get a win against Watford, and we, we've not won our first two, it's a slightly different result, I think, at Palace. Um, and it showed up all our, our weaknesses of last season. Very similar game, wasn't the first forty five minutes of last season's game. At Salas Park, plenty of possession, looking reasonably solid, but not being able to f- find the breakthrough in the in the in the final third. Um, and it was it was it was interesting about Sigurdsson. It was a player I thought it was very really disappointing. And I think we spoke on the last pod last week about you know we've taken for granted for two years that Sigurdsson's going to be one of the first names on the on the team sheet. Uh, but bear in mind the players that Silva's brought in 
and that performance on Saturday, then maybe you know that's not the case uh, this season, which is probably a good thing. Mm. And that's that's what I reflect from from Saturday. Mm. It's interesting that Gavin, Dave have both mentioned there about uh, the new signings coming in late, and that's you know it's affected Everton's performance in this first game of the season. Bees, do you think that's something that? they're going to be able to quickly get over or do you think this is something that you know might take another couple of weeks? I think unfortunately it, it, it might do. Um, I, I think that the, the, the business they did was um, generally very positive but yet again like um, like two years ago when they didn't get a centre forward once the dust was settled that not getting the centre back is a glaring omission really and to be stuck on the last day of the season going in for Rojo again was it was a bit disheartening, but the ones they have brought in uh, look like decent buys. But it will take them, yeah, a few weeks to get up to speed. To speed, sorry. I think um, Gababin, however we want to say it, however he wants to say it, Shabama. <laughs> he's got a few variations himself. He Should admitted, just call him JP. <laughs> yeah, J- yeah, JP. Admitted himself, you know, it's going to take him time. I think it's not just the, the sharpness. There's various factors. The integration with the new teammates. They've all come from um, different parts of Europe, coming in from the Bundesliga or keen from Serie A. You know, it's going to take adaptation both on and off the pitch, different type of football. So, yeah, I think, unfortunately, it is going to take a, a few weeks at least for these these sort of players to bed in. Mm. And then staying on the topic of J, JP, of course, <laughs> uh, he came on for a bit of an impromptu debut. Uh, injury for Andre Gomez meant that just before half-time, JP was brought on. Uh, and then, obviously, Morgan Schneiderlin picked up uh, a second yellow card and got sent off later in the game. We're going yeah. we're gonna to have to see Gabamon... Yeah. Very quickly, aren't we? He's going to have to adapt as like, as quickly as he possibly can. It looks that way, doesn't it? Because uh, Gomez, we don't know the results of the scan yet. I mean, it looked like it was a bang on the uh, the ankle or the shin. So often that's better than, you know, sort of muscular injury. So, you know, hopefully it's nothing too bad. Because it was weird, Gomez. I mean, Silva said afterwards that him going off is what changed the control of the game. And I, I get that, even though I thought he wasn't having by any stretch of the imagination his best game. You know, he, he wasn't the uh, the Andre Gomez that we know he can be. But he did, even whilst playing within himself, exert a level of influence that enabled Everton to control the game. I think in hindsight, you know, Silver would accept that he made a, a wrong move, you know, so bringing uh, JP on because... Tom Davis just looked brighter. He looked all together. You know, so he was fitter, or sharper. You know, so you know, then it was in the last ten or fifteen minutes, but you know, he looked like a more effective option at that time. Schneidlin, it's a tough one. Now we were talking about it before we went on. Yeah, yeah. It's a double-edged sword. I've got a little bit of sympathy for the lad in this. It was John Moss is a poor referee, and it was never a foul. The first one that he was shown a yellow card for, but he wasn't booked for the foul. He was booked for the insane descent. You know, okay, you desperately want to win, you want to make an impression, but, you know, to drum the turf in anguish the way he did was so theatrical and so unnecessary. And you've got to be, a footballer of his age and his experience needs to be a little bit more disciplined than that. And then, when you are carrying a yellow card, don't be trying to nick the ball the way he did later on. So it was a harsh decision to dismiss him the way they did. And as Gavin will mention now about, you know, the way Crystal Palace, you know, his game plan panned out. Yeah. Um, but equally, he's got to be a little bit more mature and a little bit more disciplined than that. But you weren't happy with Palace, were you? Go? No, no. I just thought that there was numerous tactical fouls when we maybe we won the ball, even in, at the edge of our area. And, and I'm, I'm looking to break from deep. And Palace constantly, you know, chopped our players down. Uh, there's one near the end, I think it was Andrew Townsend, which was, I think wasn't even booked. It was quite an obvious booking, you know. Um, and that, that really annoyed me in the context of the, the Schneiderlin um, 
um, red card. I mean, the other thing as well about uh, JP or Gabama, though, is it was quite obvious Davis was the substitute there, isn't yeah. it? For the simple reason that we're playing Palace who sit deep. You've then you've effectively playing them with two defensive midfielders on the pitch, one of whom is just making his, his debut. You 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 have you have to bring Davis on for that reason alone, regardless about whether Gabamon's got like three games experience or ten years experience for the shape of the team to to sit well at, at Palace. You've got to bring Davis on, and I, I was baffled by that. Uh, albeit maybe Marco wanted to, to see him get a bit of game time, perhaps, but that that really baffled me, and that's we just showed no threat. I think there was a Saturday in this morning. There was no shots on target in the last thirty minutes, was there, by either team on on Saturday? And I think that was one of the con- contributory factors. Um, and he's got a bit of stick, hasn't he? Um, the, I call him the new lad for now. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but you can't judge anybody from you know. He's probably brought on as a surprise. Probably his mindset wasn't right in terms of thinking he'll get on for you know forty-five minutes or whatever. And you can't judge him from you know whether he's a good signing from half an hour to forty-five minutes at Palace. Mm. And I mean, you know, an injury to Gomez, suspension for Schneiderlin, looking ahead into the next game. But ironically, this has come in a position where Everton are actually quite well stocked now, aren't they? So, do you think Marco Silva's got lucky in some respects? It, it was looking strange, wasn't it? How he, you know, he's already brought in three central midfielders this summer, and he was after another one <laughs> in the last uh, week of the window, supposedly. Um, yeah, there's a, at least, like you say, that there are options in there. The different way, it's, it, uh, home to Watford, you want you want to be on the front foot, and you know, perhaps again. You go, do you go for Davis? But yeah, there, there are various options there. So I suppose, I mean, it could have been much worse. I mean, you dread to think what happened if they lost one of the centre backs. I mean, they really would have been in trouble there. But um, yeah, so it's an area where there are various options in there. So he's, he's got a week, a week to think about it. I think. Mm. I mean, it was another, it was another game with without a goal. Uh, I think it was well documented throughout pre-season that Everton was struggling to score. Uh, I think they only scored three goals all pre-season. Two of them came from defenders. One came from a player who eventually left the club and joined uh, Wigan. Preno, uh, are you concerned at all about Everton's well, bluntness in attack? It's not really concerned. That's like overegging it a little bit because towards the end of last season, our goals record was good. You know, we were we were creating chances, we were scoring goals, and you know we've we've not lost anybody from that end of the pitch. You know, Garner Gay is obviously, you know, the, the the big departure. And we have brought people in that can address, you know, the creativity, the, you know, the goal scoring issue in Keane and Iwobi. The issue is that they're, neither of them are match fit. I mean, Iwobi only started training on Monday. So, you know, I'd be surprised if we see him starting the game mm-hmm. at the weekend. I know Silver was being very cautious about, you know, how he approached that one. We'll see how he is in training first. But, you know, he's going to have to be, you know, hit the ground flying to her to be starting, given the fact he's only just started, you know, effectively pre-season training on Monday. So, again, it underlines, you know, the problems that, you know, happen in bringing players in late um, in the summer. We had exactly the same problem last season where we only saw the best of Gomez and the best of Bernard. Uh, we never really saw Yerry Muna at all uh, until, you know, sort of yeah. late, late in the season. And so, it, yeah, it, it's an issue... We have got a relatively, you know, kind fixture list. You know, Watford at home, you know, you should be looking to win games like that, even though we didn't last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Villa away worries me a little bit. You know, they look great for, uh, you know, half, half a game against Spurs. But you hope that the promoted teams, when you play them, you know, they've, you played them two or three games in, so they've had like a little bit of steam mm-hmm. to run out of. So, no, there are, there are answers to all the issues that, you know, we can see there, but it's going to take a little bit of time. We've got to be patient. And Everton fans, as we know, aren't blessed with patience <laughs> in the best of times. <laughs> 
podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo. At the other end of the pitch, though, it's a bit of a different story, isn't it? Everton are looking yeah. quite organised, quite compact, quite solid. You know, Michael Keane and Yerry Mina seem to be uh, building up quite a nice little partnership with well, each other at the back. It's the whole think. system, which has just carried on from last year. Is that's that knocking about at the moment? Is only City kept more clean sheets uh, than us this calendar in, year? In yeah, this, this, that's this why we have you here, I know that's the only reason you have me here. And yeah, so it's not just. I think Silver's obviously, including Pickford, has, has worked on the system of defence since like the early start of the year when it's all moaning about, you know, uh, zone remarking and stuff. So in that context, it's not surprised that we look really comfortable on Saturday. I'll be against the Palace team with players missing to her on the yeah. bench. And Hudson ain't gonna like sort of go for go for it, is he? He's not that type of manager. There'll be far bigger challenges uh, for them. And picking up on Plenos Pete he's then no because we have got a reasonably kind fixture list, it does give them maybe a bit of time at the back to, to bed in a little bit more, knowing that they maybe not put under pressure as much as what they will be against the, shall we say, bigger teams. Mm. And I, I thought we looked excellent. Um, got caught out a little bit when the um, was it Gabamon lost the ball and we were a bit yeah. too square, weren't we? I don't think we picked up players, right? But yeah, I thought we looked uh, looked fine defensively. And to be fair, Jordan, who didn't really have much to do, he had two saves in the space of what five yeah. minutes, and, and both of them. He did well, I'll be a bit of poor finishing, I think, for the, the second one. But I was I was really well pleased. It's not the it's not the defence as such that worries me, it's that numbers of people we've got mm. at the back that worry me certainly in the in sense of defence going oh, forward. Oh, it takes one injury, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 as you said, Dan, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well it takes I mean, it surely must have been a big confidence booster for Yeri Mina, especially, you know, missed a lot of last season through injury, you know, he's played every like every preseason game that he was available for. Like he's Obviously wanted to come into this season running, and uh, you know he's helped kept keep a reasonable clean sheet. There, you know he's going to be an important player for Everton at least up until January, isn't he? I think definitely. I mean, with with Kurt Zuma coming in just before the deadline last year, I sort of took the pressure off for for Mina to, to hit the ground running, and that was good really because obviously he had that injury which um, held him back till the autumn really, but. You've got to hope that almost shades of Michael Keane, 12 months on, he had a real rocky up and down time in that difficult first season, difficult for everyone at Everton that season, um, with the with um, Koeman going and then um, Sam Allardyce um, coming in. Um, so he was like a, a, a new player um, at the start of last season and really came on leaps and bounds over the, the, uh, the last 12 months. So you've got to hope that something similar happens with Yeti Mina, because I mean, he obviously comes with a big reputation, albeit a very short spell, but came from Barcelona. His heroics for Colombia in the World Cup last summer, which sort of carried on to a certain extent, did well for them in Copper America this summer. So you've got to hope, and I mean, he needs to from Everton's point of view, but he, but yeah, he, that he can build up a, a good relationship with, with Michael Keane now and just get that run of games, because that was a big thing last season, was just getting that consistency for him. Obviously, Kurt Zuma was there, and it was Zuma and... Keane, who are mostly the incumbent pair playing week in, week out. Now, really, it is only them two, or you're sort of looking to Mason Holgate or one of the, the youngsters. So 
yeah, the, the, the hopes are high that um, Mina can this really after you know it, it'd be difficult for him coming from Spain, totally different type of football coming into the Premier League that he can kick on this season. Mm. Did you watch uh, United Chelsea on Sunday afternoon? I, I mean, Zuma just looked unrecognisable, and it yeah, reminded yeah, yeah. me of the Julian Lescos you know saga. You know when he was being tapped up mercilessly by Man City, and David Moyes played him on the opening day against Arsenal, and I wouldn't say. He had as bad a game as Zuma had at the weekend, but we got beat 6-1 by Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't cover himself in glory. But yeah, Zuma looked like a player whose, whose head was elsewhere. Yeah. You know, he made uncharacteristic errors, You know, gave a penalty away, gave a bad, awful pass away early on, was booked. You know, and I think, wow, this, this is the player that you know, was like our best defender last season. So mentality is such a big thing in football. And you know, mm. clearly his head was elsewhere. Mm. But on the other side of things, Mina's got... A fantastic mentality it seems doesn't it he's just desperate to yeah. get enough games and I suppose the big thing like the big overriding question that everyone's still going to have is can he stay fit well yeah yeah. and is he's only 24 24 yeah. relatively young well, can he stay fit he's going to have to stay fit isn't he really because <laughs> um, our alternatives there are, are, are few and far between as such but no I was taught it was really impressed with us defensively on, on Saturday do the thing that bugged me a little bit watching the game, and I've watched it again, is Bernard, some of his decision-making, you know, on occasions. Mm. There was once in the first half where we got to the byline plan, and he had like three or four attempts. He should have crossed it early, but yeah, when yeah. he did the like sort of Peter Beagley type sort of twist inside and out, you know, and by, by the time he'd done that, Palace got players back, and in the second half, again, he went to dribble, and he should have played Deanier in on the, in the inside channel, and... I think it's good that we've got options in that area of the pitch as well because I, I thought he overplayed a little bit on, on Saturday. Uh I'll be trying to create the perfect chance. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I think he should be another one who's, who's placed under pressure, um, I think. And, and, and I think we've got some good options up, up top um, this season. I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned Bernard because, you know, he finished last season so strongly. You know, he was involved for the majority of pre-season. You'd expect him to be hitting the ground running, really, wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't think it was fitness or a sharpness issue. I think, as Gav says, it was probably was just decision-making. Maybe yeah. it was trying too hard to actually put it on a plate for somebody yeah. rather yeah. than just, like, pinging a ball in, you know, as soon as you make the opening. In fact, if somebody was telling something on Twitter the other day and it was a, it was a Bob Latchford thing and uh, Angel Cake Photos does those uh, nostalgia yeah, yeah, yeah. things and it was a Bob Latchford five-minute, you know, uh, video retro thing. So, oh, I was in the elements. And, <laughs> but, but you noticed... Uh, uh, just uh, Ronnie Goodless was one again at home to Stoke and, yeah. uh, and Davy Thomas just a chink of an opening and a cross yeah. that's it get the cross in as quick as you can and that's what we were looking for really from Bernard at the weekend Yeah, see that opening get a ball in don't, yeah. don't overplay it he was guilty yeah he was guilty of overplaying it I think a little bit on, mm. on Saturday um, so how do we get 1970s football into this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> despite my best efforts but no I think I think that was just a, a man of criticism I think I think oh, we, we let down a little bit by service Amy. I mean if you've got Gababin and, and Schneider and it's your midfielders in the second half yeah. you're not exactly going to be fed uh, you know, was mm. forwards. You're not going to be fed a lot of quality from deep high, really, because mm. that's not that's that's what they're on the pitch for. If Tom had been on the last 45 minutes, it could have been an ideal game for Tom. Mm. That's that's a bit of space to run into. Got Schneider now, but if only 35 minutes behind him, that could have been a real ideal game for him to influence the game and get confidence for the season. Mm. I mean, that it's it seems like there's almost questions in almost every single 
like position on the pitch. Like especially even now when you look up front, uh, you've got Moise Keane and Dominic Calvert Lewin yeah. battling it out for a place. You know, it was obviously Dom who was given the nod against Palace, but you know, do, do you think we might see a b- little bit of a switch up? Do you think it might be Moyes in for the Watford game? Possibly. I, I, I think long term, you've got to imagine getting Keane out of Juventus. He's going to want to think that he's got a decent fist to be in the first choice centre forward at Everton on, on a long term basis. Whether that's Watford was still very much early days, I don't know. I, I'm probably inclined to say he, he might even go with Calvert Lewin again, but I think that. Over the season, as as the weeks go on, Keane you know, would would be expecting to be um, getting quite a few chances in there. I think they, no, they're not going to have made pro- cast iron promises to him, but they they'll have said that you know, come on, you, you be our main man up front this, this season. If they've got a player like that out of Juventus, and I, I mean, I spoke to a Juventus fan when when we actually did the piece when he was on the verge of signing, and they they weren't happy at all about him going. Said it's uh, very much short-term thinking from Juventus, which they're, they're not always guilty of. Said a lot of Italian clubs are like this, but because Ronaldo is at a certain age now, they're that hell bent on trying to win the Champions League like mm. now this season. So they're sort of um, um, taking this controversial decision to let Keane go. So if he's going to, with him coming to Everton, he, he's going to expect to be the main man up front. But in these early stages, it, it might just be that he has to wait a, a, a few more weeks. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would imagine that Marco might go with, with Dom again this weekend, but I think in the long term, Keane would be the, the first option. If he does go with Dominic, I just hope you know he gets a very positive crowd reaction. Because I know uh, Hodgson said afterwards you know, he was really pleased with how well the crowd got behind Wilfried Zaha, despite his you know, summer machinations and what have you um, and you know clearly it worked he was bright when he came on he, you know, he nearly created you know, a goal for them and Calvert-Lewin what you will always get from him is absolute you know, energy effort 100% commitment and it, whilst you know, the thing that lets him down obviously is his finishing and he never had any great chances at the weekend there was the header which was it wasn't a great opportunity but you know maybe an absolute you know, sort of top class striker might have done a little bit better with this but I just hope if he does start you know, he does get a positive crowd reaction you know, they get behind him because you know, he is you know, a lad with a lot of promise still mm. but yeah he's almost certainly going to be the, the backup option to Moyes Keane you know, yeah. as the season progresses. Unless yeah. Keane can't settle as quickly as we hope he's going yeah. to. We don't know, do we? Yeah. It's a bit of an imponderable at the yeah. moment. I mean, I mean, I don't know if this has any sort of bearing in it at all, but um, obviously he's been given that number nine shirt, which is mm, the yeah. most coveted jersey at Everton and for a long time, you know, that iconic list of yeah. centre-forwards. It's become a bit of a poison chalice, unfortunately, mm. in recent seasons. I mean... Kone wore it, Sandro Ramirez mm. wore it, so we yeah. we can hope that we we'll have to hope that Dominic Calvert Lewin's more of a throwback to those earlier number nine. Romelu Lukaku didn't want it, yeah. yeah. Preferred, you know, so other shirt numbers didn't he? Was a ten he wore when ten, he yeah. number yeah. ten, yeah. So I mean, I, I wrote a piece earlier this week about you know I think it slipped under the radar almost you know with all the last knockings of the transfer window like it's kind of slipped under the radar a little bit that Calvert Lewin picked up that famous number nine shirt yeah. and I think. You know, the, the almost the natural reaction sometimes is to try and you know compare him to you know these famous number nines of the past. You know, your Deans, your Lawtons, your Latchfords. You know, but in my opinion, that's massively unfair on yeah. on a twenty three year old lad who is only just like finding his feet in the Premier League as a striker. I think he was probably given this number nine shirt to try and be a bit more of a confidence boost to him. You know, a show of trust from Silver that you know even though we're spending big money on yeah. bringing this exciting prospect in, you're still 
you're still crucial to my plans. Yeah, it could, could be a bit of psychology from Silver there. I mean, it, it's a brave move by uh, Calvert-Lewin to accept this because, like I say, you know, other players in the past, you know, ha- haven't wanted it because of the pressure it, it brings. Um, you know, that is, you know, so unfortunate, really. It's just the, the nature of it, the nature of it. Um, but, you know, he's got this. It's a show of faith. He's got to try and um, make the best of it, unfortunately. Mm. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a brave move from him, but it's the kind of move that you want to see him sort of make, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah I think there's nothing wrong at all with um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's um, confidence. I've met him on a few occasions. Love, lovely lad, but not just an, a nice guy. He's got a real driven streak with him, and when you do see him, you see that that steeliness in his eyes also, that, that confidence in his, his own ability. He... He feels he's come a, a long way in a, in a relatively short space of time and that his, his game has improved considerably since he's been at Everton. I mean, he doesn't need us to tell. Now, we we know what the, the, the issue is. If, you, if you're leading the line for Everton on a regular basis, you've got to be scoring pretty regularly and he needs to improve that goal import. He doesn't need us to, to tell him that. He, he knows that himself. He's, he has become very polished in other areas of his game and and to think that you know Koeman started him with him at wing back I think mm. in, in his first yeah. game but um, yeah whether he, he he makes it or not it certainly won't be for lack of trying or a problem with his attitude because you know they're, they're two elements of his game that are absolutely spot on mm. and at the end of the day you'd hope that you know additions to the forward line over the transfer window they're only going to help Calvert-Lewin at the end of the day aren't they yeah um, obviously it was a, a well documented about the, the, the whole Zahar business and there was a lot of excitement. What was he going to come? And then in retrospect, I mean, it's kind of what the Echo were telling people all along. <laughs> there was only one bid put in uh, over that window. But, you know, with with uh, a, a will be coming in as, as well now, I mean, and like the, the players they've already got there um, in those um, creative positions. It, it, hopefully the supply line, you know, will be there, whether it's Carvert-Lewin, whether it's Keane, whoever it is. That those attacking midfielders and obviously Gilfie's there as well are going to hopefully provide whoever is playing centre forward with a, a decent amount of, of chances over the coming months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another thing that I think maybe slipped under the radar a little bit is the decision of over club captain as well, Seamus yeah. Coleman, been made uh, the new club captain. Uh, right decision? Was it a surprise at all? Yeah, the, the, the only um, thing I would say is that. Um, well, first of all, I mean, it was obviously the, the obvious decision. He, he's the on-pitch leader. He's the, he's the senior player now. If, if you know, if we're going to discount Leighton Baines, is very much the understudy now to, to Luca Dean, um, the longest-serving player at the club. Um, captains his, his country, so he's the natural choice, definitely. And Silva hasn't really wanted to rock the boat in that respect. I mean, he, he raised a few eyebrows when he gave t- um, Tom the, the armband on a few occasions last year, but that was never. That was always when one of the senior pros was out. Um, but he's, he's always gone with seniority in that respect. The other thing that I would say is that long-term, Coleman has obviously got a real challenge on his hands this season to be to remain first choice right back. Uh, you bring in somebody who's part of a World Cup winning squad like Jibreel Sadibi. Again, like with Keane coming from Juventus, he, he's going to fancy his chances for getting that shirt before the season's out and having a good run. So it may be that you almost get a repeat of the, the Jagielka situation where your actual club captain isn't always playing. But it was, you know, it was the, it was the natural um, decision to, to give him the, the armband. I mean, he was doing it most of the time anyway with, with Jagielka hardly playing last season. So, yeah, it was, it, it, was the, it was the right decision. It's just that the, the onus now is on Seamus to keep up those 
performances mm. and keep his place in the side. Otherwise, the armband will be passed <laughs> on again. It's a bit of a strange situation, really. The Everton captaincy since Marco Silva's come in, hasn't it? Like it's been, you know, very fluid. You know, as you've mentioned, you know, Tom Davis has picked it up. Gilfie Sigurdsson picked it up a couple of times last season. You know, we had Leighton, Phil, and uh, Seamus all picking up the captaincy as well. Do you think this is? Maybe a look ahead into the future now. Like this is this is how it's going to be for most teams. Um, I suppose it depends from from club to club which characters you've got in there or whatever. I mean, I, I really like um, Gilfie Sigerson as a player and a pro, but I don't know just how how vocal he is when when um, he he's got um, the armband. More one of those maybe leads by example. Seamus is the most natural captain when he's playing, but like I said, the, the issue is whether he continues playing. He's obviously he's in there at the moment, but Sadibi would be hoping to get the chance there um, in the future. Um, uh, I suppose there's a, there's a shout for somebody like Michael Keane. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, he plays every week. Hopefully he continues to play every week. Or even somebody, I tell you, who certainly makes his feelings known, but it's a different issue, is, is Jordan Pickford. Because yeah. do you give the captaincy to a goalkeeper? Some people think it's wasted on, on a goalkeeper because he's almost too, too detached from the, the, the rest, mm. a lot of the rest of the players. But certainly one of those players who would um, let his feelings um, be known. So, yeah, I think there, there, there are um, candidates in there. But Seamus was the natural one at uh, this time. might be interesting that 12 months down the line, might be having this conversation all over again. Well, I think it's interesting, you know, we we can mention so many players. I think it's important to have as many leaders on the pitch as possible. And I think Michael Keane, you know, something that we have seen over, you know, the last 12 months, we've obviously seen his form improving as well. But perhaps, you know, having to take the mantle up almost from Phil Jagielka as being like the main man at centre-back, yeah. it's maybe forced him into learning these leadership qualities a lot quicker than he might have uh, in any other sort of circumstances. Definitely, I think you can see that in the way that Michael's played since he came to the club. We mentioned earlier today that, you know, he came in that really traumatic season, 17, 18, where he wasn't the only one who came in and struggled. Um, but then he, he really came on leaps and bounds um, last season. And he, he's he's a, he's a really a, um, top character, really, on and off the pitch, um, model professional. So definitely, if you could give him that, that might bring a bit more out of his game and... Um, um, imp- improving further. You've also got people like um, Fabian Delph, who doesn't need the armband to be that vocal. I mean, it was well documented. I think Phil had said before the the summer that Everton were actively looking for those sort of characters in the transfer market. There's, there's some of those kind of vocal characters for the dressing room, and every everyone who saw that Manchester City documentary. I mean, a lot, it's been shown a lot that footage of Delph having his say in in the City dressing room there with Guardiola and the rest of the squad. So it doesn't all have to be on the man who's actually got the armband. But yeah, definitely, yeah, I think get more out of Michael Keane uh, as a leader. I think it's it's, it's only natural, really, in, in the years ahead. He's sort of at that age now, you know, mid, mid to late 20s, where he's becoming a senior pro within the group, and uh, you'd like to see more of that from him. Mm. It's interesting that you mentioned Delph there. Like, yeah. he, he, I completely forgot about him almost. You know, he, yeah. he's picked up an injury at yeah. absolutely the worst time, hasn't he? Because, you know... You'd imagine now if he he might have even started against Crystal Palace anyway if he'd have stayed fit. But you'd imagine now he'd be a surefire starter for Watford. I mean, of course, like we're still waiting on updates to see whether yeah. he will be fit for that Watford yeah. game or not. But you know, he's got he's got to be battling really, hasn't he? Yeah. He'd be chomping at the bit, Moni, because not only is he at a new club wanting to make an impression com- coming in at Everton, that 
his situation at, uh, at City, I, I don't think he started a game, possibly, is it, after December, and he got mm. sent off or something. Yeah. And it was mentioned to him when he came to his club. He said, don't remind me. <laughs> you know, he's, he's obviously getting a player to leave the, the treble winners, Manchester City. It, it's, it's got to be an incentive for him again. And it, it's, it's going to be Everton offering him that game time. He'll be wanting to play regularly in the Premier League. I mean, why else are you going to leave Manchester City unless you're frustrated that you're not getting enough game time? And uh, he, he'll be want to be one of those first teams in the team sheet at, at Everton. I don't quite know where he is with his fitness, but if he, if he's uh, if he is available come Watford on Saturday, definitely he'll be wanting to make that that home debut um, at, at Goodison Park and show those fans as soon as possible just just what he's all about. Because for all the big money that's been spent over the summer, uh, you know, a, a real canny buy. I mean, even. Um, Talk to you know the most vociferous um, Liverpool fans within this office, and when they heard Fabian Delph was going to to Everton, it was like whoa, that, you know that's a good bit of business. Mm. That that you know he's not necessarily one of those players who who stands out and he's for want of a better word, you know, s- sexy football, the sort mm. of marquee signing in that kind of respect. But you know, somebody who knows the game inside out is a winner and has um, certainly proven himself in in this division and can offer a lot for Everton. Mm. Well, fingers crossed he can find his way to full fitness soon and hopefully for that Watford game this weekend. We'll be back with another Royal Blue podcast uh, looking ahead to that Watford game a little bit later in the week when we've heard from Marco Silva in his pre-match press conference as well. Uh, thanks to Chris, Gav and Preno for uh, taking part in this uh, episode of the Royal Blue podcast. Don't forget you can rate and review us on uh, Acast, iTunes, Spotify, whatever your podcast platform is. And don't forget you can join in on our Facebook group as well for uh, all the discussion around the Royal Blue podcast. But, yeah, thanks for listening. The Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.